Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV and video games. I'm Andrew Poxon, and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In episode 27, we make the jump back into the world of Star Wars with The Empire Strikes Back, directed by Irvin Kirshner, produced by Gary Kurtz, with of course a story by George Lucas, and another classic score from the wonderful Johnny Williams. In part one of two, we'll be checking out the main themes introduced to the Star Wars universe in this film and seeing how Williams expertly manipulates those themes to tell a story. And joining me on this journey to a galaxy far, far away, fresh from a stint on the Spice Mines of Kessel, is composer, arranger, orchestrator, and Hoth soft serve vendor with a pop-up food van he likes to call Mr. Wookie. That's Mr. Wookie. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's Nicholas Buck. How you doing, Nick? <laughs> I am fantastic. <laughs> this, guys, is the best score ever written. Oh, whoa. Period. Whoa. Wow. And okay. um, we're going to find out why. Yeah, Absolutely. Great. It's, it's such a gem in, in, in the universe. I can't, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to it myself. And, of course, I'm looking forward to talking to this third in our party, having returned from Cloud City where, actually, Nick, I can't tell you what happened in Cloud City because, as you know, what happens in Cloud City stays in Cloud City. (laughs) Anyway, it's writer, critic, university lecturer and Dagobah's third best janitor. It's Dan Golding. How are you doing, Dan? Well, third bit. I mean, it is a slimy mud hole. So, yeah. you know, us janitors have got our work cut out for us in Dagobah. It's, yeah. it's, it's really tough work. Absolutely. Yeah. And so here we are. Mm. We've made it to uh, Empire Strikes Back. And this really is, you know, this is this is the this is the the golden jewel yeah. in the crown of, well, of Star Wars. After after what happened with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, I thought I would refrain from hyperbolic statements. But <laughs> I see Nick has Nick has jumped in there already. I will say that it is the score that I feel the most in my bones out of any film music ever. I yeah, think. right. Well, for me, I mean, it, it, this is personal. Like the first soundtrack I ever owned was The Empire Strikes Back. And it happened by accident. I've told this story to many people. I found a cassette tape. Remember them? Yep. Um, at a ski lodge and <laughs> it said Empire on it. And I just took it. Yep. <laughs> I stole <laughs> and uh, put it in my Walkman. Remember those? <laughs> and um, it was the soundtrack to The Empire Strikes Back. I would have been like nine years old or something. Yeah, right. It could just, have been um, the soundtrack to Empire of the Sun. You, yeah, you look, know. it could have been, but it was Empire Strikes Back. So, and I just like, you know, I just Had I, you I seen the sold. film? At the point? No. No, I hadn't. Yeah, so right. I was just, you know, really blasted with this great symphonic music. Um, yeah. you know, and I was a violinist, so I was aware of Tchaikovsky and all these composers that, you know, obviously Williams has been influenced by over the years. And it was just the best distillation of all those things and, and had me hooked. 
Yeah, mm. great. So, of course, before we get into more of well, any of this, to be honest, mm. uh, we're going to throw the little like and subscribe pitch out there. Uh, if you are enjoying this show and you haven't rated and put down your, your review, uh, then please go ahead and do that if there's a way of doing that on your, um, on your podcast vendor of choice. Of course, you can on Apple Podcasts. And if there is a Star Wars fan in your life, Mm-hmm. who you know and perhaps might be interested in this sort of thing, then feel free to recommend this podcast to them. We'd love to have all of the fans of uh, Star Wars and of John Williams' music to sort of join in the conversation about these wonderful, wonderful scores. And, of course, you can hit us up on the social medias, Dan. We've got mm. Instagram. Yep. That's a fun one. <laughs> we've got uh, Facebook. Yeah. And, of course, we've got Twitter. Mm-hmm. We want anything else there, Nick? Email. Uh, yeah, e- email. We yeah. get lots of great emails. The original social network. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, thank you all to the listeners. We get so many mm. fantastic emails, really great questions. Yes. Mm. Some, some which are beyond our knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting asking people asking me like, how does John Williams think of these ideas? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. He's a yeah. genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, but, but keep writing in. We really love the interaction and um, yeah. Mm, Thanks for listening. Absolutely. So, uh, Dan, without Mm. any further ado, let's get into what is the greatest score of all time except for The Prisoner of Azkaban. (laughs) Well, different (laughs) centuries, Andrew. Okay, fair enough. That's my out there. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, so this film is, you know, the first sequel to Star Wars. It is what makes Star Wars a franchise and not just a really successful standalone blockbuster. Uh, And it really is what, you know, kicked off Star Wars as something at the heart of popular culture rather than just a one-off fluke, I would say. And I think some people did think of Star Wars as a bit of a fluke prior to Empire. Yeah, Uh, right. And as soon as Empire came around, they're like, oh, no, wait, maybe not, maybe not. (laughs) So I... So basically, um, after after Star Wars, George Lucas um, had, as I think we discussed when we talked about Star Wars all those episodes ago, had the sequel rights. And these were usually thought of as junk rights um, that they you know, didn't really amount to anything like merchandising. Uh, but he wanted to make the sequel. Uh, and basically because he had so much money from the merchandising, um, largely actually uh, from the merchandising, he could afford to do that, Mm. to basically finance Empire Strikes Back. And he had, I can't remember the business details of it specifically, but he had a limited window in which he had to make it, otherwise the rights would default back to Fox. Yeah, right. And so that's why there's a relatively short turnaround between 77 of A New Hope and Empire in in eighty. And he's also, you know, setting up his independent filmmaker ranch, Skywalker Ranch in Marin County in California uh, and doing all these things. And he, so he makes Empire Strikes Back pretty much semi-independently, what we would call semi-independent in, mm. in, you know, in financial terms, if not stylistic terms. I mean, semi-independent is a model that we usually associate with like the 80s and Spike Lee and people like that, Steven Soderbergh, where you make the film and then a distributor distributes it. Yeah, sure. Yep. But you personally or get a bank loan or get investors or whatever and so that's what empire is so he had pretty much full creative control and was able to just go to fox and say here's the finished film um and so that's you know another reason why it's so i think unique and he'd been burnt uh because he'd given creative control of 
the holiday special oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. away and basically, you know, had decided the, never so to... The Star Wars holiday special? Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Everyone sort oh, of... man. Does his weird eye thing? Yeah, like, like yeah. Pogo over there is it rolling is, his eyes. Yeah. It is. Is it really bad? It is really putrid. Yeah, like I, it's it's hard to imagine that. What what is it? Explain it to me and the gazillions of other listeners <laughs> okay, who have no so, idea what so you're talking Star about. Star Wars is huge, mm. and they decide to put on a special. You know, like an mm. hour long, something like that, hour long mm. thing. It's like a variety show, mm. and they bring like out a, like all a Christmas of the, thing. Or yeah, not? yeah, yeah, and it's they. Well, I mean, no. I mean, if you've ever wanted to hear lyrics to uh, the the main Star Wars theme, you know, Carrie yeah. Fisher sings them. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. How yeah. Have, how it's have the ever life, seen this? life Day song, I think it is, yeah. or something like that. And you meet Chewie's family, which has since been written out of canon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Little, like, what's it, what's his son called? Dumpy Gumpy something? Yeah. I don't know. Did Leslie Brickus do the lyrics? <laughs> it's it's almost like it really feels like. A whole bunch of people who had never watched Star Wars yeah. got together and said, "Oh, what are the kids like? They'll like a funny uh, okay. thing here." Yep. And and, yeah. it's, and then they get all the cast out. So it's got Carrie Fisher, got Mark Hamill. Mm. Everyone's there, and they're being forced to just do these putrid skits and yeah. and and like weirdness. And it's really so. This is obviously now. between A New Hope and Empire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but there yeah. is there is an animated cartoon in there that's the introduction of Boba Fett before Empire as oh, well. Okay. Yeah, so there is some kind of continuity, and in a way, it's kind of I think it's a bit of a window into what Star Wars as a franchise could have been. And that how Empire averted that and sort of made it into this, you know, what we call the saga, I suppose, now where it's very sort of serious um, and, you know, very sort of um, thought out like the first film was. But, you know, this this the, the holiday special kind of, in retrospect, proposes a world where Star Wars is more the adventure serial side of the first film rather than the serious world building stuff that we get out of that. Anyway, so... George Lucas decides he's going to make the movie, but also George Lucas, as it turns out, hates directing. (laughs) (laughs) Hates basically making films. (laughs) Did not have a good time making the first Star Wars film and would not direct another film until The Phantom Menace in 1999. That's amazing. Look how that went. Well, (laughs) oh, look. Anyway, <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. But so he, you know, is firstly looking around for a director, but he's also looking for a writer because he, more even more than directing, he hated writing the first Star Wars film. He, there are all these stories of him literally lying on the floor with writer's block, sort of going, I just can't do this anymore. It's awful. So what, um, what did he like about filmmaking? <laughs> Great question. I think he likes films more than filmmaking. Yeah, I think right. he's a sure. real film guy and he just loves film culture and he loves seeing the movies and participating mm. in the movies and sort of dreaming up new worlds yeah. I think you know is, is, there's a real incredible creativity to him but I because I've always thought that and I'm including all the prequels everything I think that he's an amazing world builder yeah. and I think that he's an amazing uh, like in terms of creative around mm. worlds you know mm. and characters and and species and, yeah. and ideas and um, but yes it yeah. seems to be a strength and, and and there is you know like um, th- because back in the day they would record uh, script meetings so in the lead up to making Raiders of the Lost Ark which is sort of you know uh, being produced around the same time as Empire um, so it's George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Lawrence Kasdan who was an advertising executive that Spielberg kind of plucked from obscurity to to write 
Raiders. Um, and there, the, the whole thing is recorded. The whole script meeting is recorded. And George Lucas, like you can go back, it's actually online. You can see the whole thing transcribed. And George Lucas is just like spitting fire, like pure gold. Everything he says is like, oh yeah, that's in the movie. That's in the movie. That's a great idea. That's clearly come from Lucas. That's in the movie. That's in the movie. And like, you know, every now and then Spielberg would be like, what if we did this? And like, it's the worst idea you've ever heard. (laughs) And Lucas just kind of politely shuts him down. And it's incredible. So clearly he was really in a, like an amazing creative purple patch um, at this point in time. But anyway, he didn't want to write Empire. So he's hunting around for a scriptwriter. He goes to um, a woman called Lee Brackett, and Lee Brackett was a author, uh, and she was also a, a scriptwriter. She'd done some golden age Hollywood stuff. She'd done The Big Sleep from 1946 and Rio Bravo from '59, like Howard Hawks style, you know, films, and um, The Long Goodbye uh, as well, um, which is like a Raymond Raymond Chandler, you know, type mystery thing and you know so you can see with the selection of her I mean she was also a science fiction author but George Lucas is after like he wants to take Empire in the direction of making a kind of gone with the wind in space like this incredible epic space opera rather than just an adventure film and anyway she turned in a script that he basically didn't like at all (laughs) it is very different there's a lot of like saluting with lightsabers um, and like <laughs> taking taking the Jedi oath sort of, you know, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting alternate universe. But he um, didn't like that at all. And then she died. Oh. Um, but so she's still credited. Coincidence? Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Um but yes, she she's still credited as one of the. I think she's got first credit as the the scriptwriter okay. um, for Empire Strikes Back, uh, and then he basically Lucas writes um, a draft himself, which has basically got all the main plot beats of the film, but his trademark tin ear for dialogue. Yes. Then brings in Lawrence Kasdan, who gives the film its you know Indiana Jones style because he of course yeah as I've already said wrote Raiders that that snappy ironic sarcastic really lively dialogue yeah particularly that you get between Han and Leia. Um, and and speaking of Leia, did mm. um, Carrie Fisher also? rework a bunch of scenes as well at that time? Yeah, although um, not as much as she would later on, especially, you know, if, if she's had a lot of influence on um, the sequel trilogy. Yeah, right, okay. But, um, I mean, the reason why I say not so much is because apparently she really clashed with the director. Right. And so that's Irvin Kirshner, um, who was one of George Lucas's mentors um, at college. Um, he judged a... Um, short film competition that the original THX 1138, the student film um, version, uh, was entered into and won. And so Kirsch, as he called him, was kind of a mentor figure. Mm-hmm. And he got him in thinking, I think, you know, he's a safe pair of hands, but also George Lucas clearly kind of wanted to direct the film f- from a remove. Fr- from, a, from a, yeah. 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 Um, Someone I can tell what to do. Yeah. But that didn't happen because yeah, right. Irvin Kirshner was his own person and did not take direction from George Lucas at all. <laughs> um, but also apparently clashed with with Carrie Fisher to some degree. Um, anyway, so, you know, this from all of that comes Empire, which, as I said, 
turns Star Wars from a huge blockbuster into a franchise. And I mean, we kind of forget that even stylistic elements like do all Star Wars films open with a, the crawl? Mm. Yes, they do. Turns I mean, out it does. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah at least, you know. <laughs> before yeah, that's we something get they would have Disney had to era. have a think yeah. about. And do all Star Wars movies open with Star Wars as the logo or would this one have an Empire Strikes Back logo, mm. right? You know, like all these things, like do they all open in space? Yes, they do. That was a last minute decision. It was going to have the crawl and then just cut to Hoth. Um, but then there was the added Star Destroyers, you know, releasing the probes, right? So there's so many decisions that sort of with the second film rather than the first sort of really cement what a, a quote-unquote Star Wars film is. Yeah. Mm. And are you saying that a lot of these decisions like almost in hindsight make the first one look more mm. deliberate? Yeah. As if like we're setting this up now to be the thing but actually it was only only in the second film where that, a lot of this stuff yeah. was decided. Yeah, because, I, you know, and I think I've said in a couple of these podcasts now as well, like, you know, the, the Hollywood model of franchising was established with Star Wars in particular, m- more so than, than anything else, really. And so you can easily imagine a, a second Star Wars that is just barely even in the same universe, you mm. know, that is more like holiday special style or, you know, is just so stylistically and formally different um, that maybe, you know, has got a completely different composer because they felt like, well, you know, the orchestral stuff worked for the first film, but this executive reckons pop music's going to work for, for the second film. I mean, that's mm. entirely imaginable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how it was very deliberately developed with Empire. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's fascinating to think that so much for what we, you know, of what we take for granted mm. with Star Wars. I find that so strange to not really know what any of those tropes are yeah. at that point. And they're yeah. making those decisions. And yeah. this is now a trope and we'll, so we'll do it. The thing I've never known, I mean, how much had had Lucas plotted out the whole <laughs> storyline from the get-go? Because that, that, that was always my thought. That, <laughs> and like he'd already written the prequels and that's why I started with episode four. There's all the, yeah. this kind of rumor that the technology wasn't around to begin to yeah. make the didn't film the of episode, episode one that four, he wanted. Didn't episode four um, terminology come in after the original release? Yeah, so it was called episode four um, in a, a like a re-release and I think it was 1978, so yeah. a year after the original yeah, run yeah, yeah. where it was added. Because the original it. didn't have that at all. Really? No, it was okay. just it was just called Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, and then in '78, I think it became Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, and at some and point in later, in the title crawl, yeah. does it not say Episode Four: A New Hope? In well, the it original? does now. It does now. No, but, but in, in the original, original it no. The original yeah, it just said Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like you know, day one in, in yeah. on May twenty sixth, nineteen seventy seven, it said said mm. Star Wars. But um, it was Nick asked me about whether George had written George, my good friend George, whether yes. <laughs> <laughs> whether George Lucas had written it all from the start. Like I'm sure the answer is is basically no. He mm. wrote these huge story treatments originally for the first film that encompassed a lot of the stuff like the Clone Wars, but you know, they bear no similarity to all six films as we see them today. And, you know, I think it's more like, did he envision that there would be a large ongoing franchise? Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah. But, you know, even things like Luke, I am your father, I don't think was set in stone until no. until the, the, the script was, was put together, which is interesting because David Prowse, who is um, Darth Vader in the suit, not in voice, but he's the man. The physical embodiment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who's had a very rocky relationship with um, Lucasfilm over the years. 
unfortunately. But he uh, he he gave a he was at a press conference like in in seventy eight or seventy nine, you know, well before you know Empire was out, and was like, oh yes, there will be future films. I'm pleased to announce, and you know, we'll be getting into some interesting stuff because it turns out that Darth Vader is actually Luke Skywalker's father, uh, and this is like reported really? in the news. Yeah, yeah, back then, <laughs> and like I think at that point, not even George Lucas knew that. <laughs> um, and I saw think, the saw the report on the well, news. Maybe it's a great that, idea. Yeah, good, good idea, Dave. Um, but uh, yeah, and so you know, I, there's a bit of kind of mythology around that. I think perhaps he was just kind of maybe taking the piss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because isn't mm. the famous sort of thing that the guy, that guy in the suit? Mm. Sorry, what was his David name? Prowse? David. Mm. Um, that he delivered the lines that it's not I'm your father. He delivered the lines yeah. that it's it's Ben Kenobi who killed your yeah, father. That's right. And then and then literally Mark Hamill reacts to that on set. And mm. then they come back in, you know, in in post and put in the I'm your father bit in mm. there with James Earl Jones. With James Earl yeah. Jones. And then the actors found out that that was the twist yeah. at the at the movie. Yeah, you know Mark, the premiere. Mark Hamill does a great impersonation of Harrison Ford. If you ever like look up his you know sort of chat show interviews, he just does the best sort of Harrison Ford drawl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but apparently at the premiere, Harrison Ford turns around in that scene and goes, "You didn't tell me that, kid." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, mid screening. Um, <laughs> I think maybe there was some other words involved in that, but like, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly how it happened. And I'm also, in, in to go back to Nick's question of did he map it all out, I mean, even Leia being his sister, um, sister yeah. quite obviously was not no. thought about beforehand. Definitely Because not. there is no way that he intentionally put those, you know, smooching scenes in and the rest of it. Like mm. the, the love triangle of which, you know, in some of the earliest uh, making ofs, mm. they really talk up the love triangle element. You mm. know, they really talk yeah. about it as being this this feature. And yep. and it's, it's obvious that no one has any intention for that to be a, a revelation yeah. later on. In, like, in in his notes to Lee Brackett, um, he said like, you know, maybe we could learn that Luke does have a twin sister, but, you know, she's off being trained by other people. Right, 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 right. You know, like, so a completely different figure. Yeah, sure. And that's where the, no, there is another line comes from. Yeah, okay. And then it was kind of like, ah, I can't really introduce another character. Ah, it's Leia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, shall we get to some music? Yes. Uh, so, Nick, we thought that if there were anybody uh, or there was anybody, you know, joining us for the first time on this this particular episode that we might just quickly go through some of the reoccurring themes that happen um, in this film that were really established in the original Star Wars. Now, of course, if you haven't listened to our original Star Wars episodes, I recommend you go back and, and uh, check those out because I'm assuming if you're listening to a podcast about Empire Strikes Back, you're probably interested in A New Hope as well. So um, <laughs> yeah, go back and check those out if you haven't already done that. I'd even recommend you look at those first um, because I think we're going to sort of skip through some of the um, and, and, and assume some knowledge here. Mm. Um, but Nick, maybe you can um, just sort of refresh our memory on how perhaps the main themes from Star Wars are used in this film very quickly. Well, look, I'm I mean, before I do that, I guess I want to ask you guys, is this the first sequel in film history where musical material is built upon from the first film and sort of added to as far as a thematic thing? No, I don't That's a good question. I don't know so. enough about... No, I, I don't um, think so. I think at least The Godfather 2 builds on Godfather 1's music. Does it build or does it just play the theme? No, no, there's, no, there's yeah, new it themes does build that are added. Adds, yeah. yep. But look, I mean, certainly not... 
probably not to the the depth and no, breadth oh, certainly that Star not Wars has. Yeah. Um, and I, I even wonder if with John Williams sort of knew what he was getting into. You know, hmm. he's now at episode eight, about to start nine, hmm. and he's just got this catalogue of entire themes that. I mean, it'd be a, a real mind boggle to sort mm. of have to have to navigate them all. Where do I use this theme? Where do I use this one? And as they layer up, um, yes, it's it can be useful, but it can almost be like complicated. Yeah, <laughs> so I many mean, themes to to deal with. I I mean, we're not going to talk about episode eight and seven and so on, but I sort of feel like those two, especially eight, mm. almost it doesn't almost attempts to collapse under the weight of its own back catalogue of things. Yeah. Um, Whereas mm. Empire is the perfect kind of mix because it really does, it still relies on the earlier themes, um, but it adds some great new ones. So, mm. look, let's let's start off, of course, with the the main Star Wars title or what really becomes Luke's theme. And here's a little, little chunk. It's a cue called Luke to the Rescue and you'll just remind yourselves how it goes. <laughs> So already, you know, that familiar fifth lip, da, yum, ba, ba, da, dee, dum, you know, it's really obvious. And already he's just sort of changing hum harmonies a bit. A few little melodic things are, mm. are starting to creep in to just sort of freshen it up. We've also got the force theme, which is this old... etc., etc., And of course, the, the good old rebel fanfare. And I'll play a cue now that actually kind of mixes all three themes. So we get Luke's theme, goes into a bit of the Force theme, and then into the Rebel fanfare. And this is the sequence during the Hoth battle. But it's a great way where Williams is really kind of recapping these themes from, from A New Hope. Gee, there's some Indiana Jones in that, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> some bonus, incredibly great trumpet fanfares at the end it's, there. It's yeah. like taking the rebel fanfare and then just sort of Indiana jones defying it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a real moment of celebration and it's a win for Luke in that scene. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just adding that extra kind of bit of variation, development and flourish. It's fantastic. Mm. You, you know what I also like about the performance of that is it's so orchestral. And what I'm really meaning by that is that the brass are very strict within themselves as a, as a unit. Mm. Like they're playing very much in time. You can tap along to their bits. The strings, man, it is hard to tap along with what they're doing. Like they're sort of, they're very spongy, their, their sense of time. And it's such an orchestral thing that you've got 
um, orchestras working in units, but really all walk, working together at the end of the day. But time is being felt slightly differently throughout the sections, and mm. um, it's just so orchestral. I, mm. I really love it. You know, it's you can't really get that with a computer. You can't mm. get a computer to sort of do no. that sort of thing organically as well. It's just a really, really nice thing, and it really helps it sort of add to that in this particular instance. You know, that sort of sense of chaos and mm. and um, tension and and release and so on. So yeah. absolutely, and I mean, you know, I think it's worth saying up front uh, as we're just starting to get into the music I'm sure it'll continue to reoccur through our discussion is that I mean there's such a depth of kind of the orchestral palette to this film I mean I think it's one of the best scores for tuba um, sure. best for bassoon yep. best for percussion like it's really there's some really you know consistently interesting use of instruments that aren't often used mm. in, in film scores certainly not of this era yeah, or, or at least featured as much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, I know I mentioned the force theme. There's such a beautiful performance. It happens so many times in this film, but my favorite bit of the force theme is right at the very end of the film where Luke and Leia sort of have this sort of um, telepathic mm. communication where, you know, she realizes he's trapped and she kind of you know, says, turn the ship around. And they fly back to him and it just sort of comes out of nowhere and all the strings play the force theme in unison. And it's really, it's, it's beautiful and emotional. lovely that's great um and of course leia um her theme features a few times not as much as it did in the first film but just to remind everyone how it goes here it is He really adds those those little bits of magic, mm. doesn't he? You've got the harp mm. sort of playing up and down an arpeggio, and um, mm. and it it feels like there's a little bit of you know magic dust, a little bit of force yeah. over when when she when she's around. It's a, and it's you know it's cool. interesting also. Back in our A New Hope episodes, mm. you played a bit of the concert version, mm. which doesn't appear anywhere in the film, and mm. it's notable because it has these sort of answers. Yeah. And the horn goes. Whatever it is, you know, these little calling answering bits. Yeah. Um, they're, they're here in the score. Yeah. So yeah. It's almost like he took that, that little moment from the concert version and just uh, yeah, brought it back to us. They're not just there, they're allowed quite some space to breathe, I think. Yeah. 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 It's nice. No, it's, it really is nice. Yeah. And of course, it, it uses that major sixth. Um, opening mm. interval that that um, John Williams loves so much when he's talking about uh, female characters or romantic themes Absolutely. and so on, and I'm that's sure come we'll in. have something to say. Yeah, about something later to on. say about that is, as we <laughs> yeah. as we go through some of the new themes. Mm. Um, but of course, we have a 20th Century Fox fanfare. Technically, that reoccurs. Nick. <laughs> 
Yeah, Does that's that a count? recurring theme. No, I guess it is. <laughs> I mean, look, what's interesting is that um, you know the 20th century Fox fanfare, as we know, you know was was chosen by Lucas because he just had a real sense of nostalgia for it. hadn't been used for many years. Um, in the original film, they use basically the original 1953 recording. For The Empire Strikes Back, however, John Williams decided to re-record it with a London Symphony. So you kind of get a, a fresher sound. And what I'll do here is just play the two themes a bit back-to-back so you can just compare the, the sonic quality and how we go from this sort of almost mono-sounding archival sound to a much more sort of um, stereo yeah, symphonic version. Hello, bass end and stereo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not listening on headphones, um, <laughs> throw your headphones on and go back and listen to that yeah. and uh, you'll get the full effect. It just of sort of widens, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's really cool. I really like that. Mm. Now, of course, Nick, uh, we do have these reoccurring themes, but I thought before we get on to the new themes, we'd actually look at one of the main themes being, of course, Luke's theme or the Star Wars theme, I guess. Certainly still being thought of as Luke's theme in, in this film. And John Williams doesn't just play the major version, the happy version, the heroic no. version. This is Empire Strikes Back. Bad things are happening to everybody <laughs> and certainly happening to Luke. Mm. And this is the film where his melody is turned from a happy major sound to a more somber um, It's a bit minor. tortured, isn't it, yeah. in, in this film? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely. goes with the dramatic kind of darkness of, of the overall tone of the film, but you're absolutely right. There are many more minor key performances of, of Luke's theme. Yes. So let's, um, let's listen to a couple of examples here. Now, of course, with the, with the minor treatment, often he's only changing one of the notes. So he's changing the, uh, the third mm-hmm. note, which is often what gives a, a chord or a scale its major or minorness. And he's just simply lowering that, that particular note by, by half a a tone and yeah, uh, usually here on the way down yeah yeah it's just that a little bit more sad hmm. um so yeah we'll play you a couple of examples here now it actually happens throughout the film especially when luke is being downtrodden which is sort of most of this film <laughs> yeah. really uh he's he certainly he he's certainly feeling sorry for himself yeah. for a lot of this film <laughs> um so yeah let, let's play a couple of examples See there, it's interesting because it's it's really the music is quite agitated and fast. Mm. It almost feels like an action or a chase scene, but because his theme is is minor, uh, yeah, it's almost like he's he's losing whatever mm. battle he's in at the moment. It's it's not going well. It's a bit of a round as well, isn't it? There? Yeah, there's a like yeah. a the flute and piccolo starts it, and the mm. horn sort of like yeah started St- a couple of days. Yeah, Luke's yeah. fugue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, it comes back um, uh, quite a few times actually, but it comes back in Dagobah when, when Luke is uh, talking to Yoda, and there's a whole bunch of times. It also happens in the um, that weird tree, um, the I don't the know, magic the cave, tree, the yeah. cave he goes into. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna listen to a um, a bit earlier on with with Yoda.
Yeah, it's just sort of mm. so, you know, sorrowful. Yeah, mm. and it's interesting. The way that sets up, I almost feel like it's about to go into... It sort of wants to, doesn't it? Yeah, it really feels like like you often hear the force theme set up with that kind of clearing of the space, little mm. minor chord, and then a solo French horn playing the force theme. But yeah, it's it's sort of almost surprising that it's. I mean, it's he's going to he's lose. going to to Yoda to train, to mm. to be a Jedi. Do you think that it doesn't do that because we're now at a situation where the force is potentially at its weakest here with him, like? He's going there with essentially no skills. Mm. Um, I mean, is that maybe why we don't get lots of force things happening here? Yeah. We do, but it's often not because of Luke. It's because of other things. I think he's also he's a bit unsure about Yoda. He's mm. unsure about yeah. the, the whole surroundings. Like yeah. It all seems a bit of a it also just, yeah. weird voyage for him. Mm. Yeah, it just matches the mood and the fact that he's not sure about, I think, his own identity as well. Yeah. I mean, if you think of the way that I think we described his theme in the first episode of sort of the da 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 the da 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 is like a run up to yeah it's like a and there is hero and mm. there is hero you know mm. whereas this is sort of like it emphasizes the down rather than the, the up so it's yep. sort of like sighing so it's da 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 uh, you know, like yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of like it's and often they don't finish off the phrase after yeah. that, so they they concentrate on the down. Mm. They John, John. Williams um, <laughs> concentrates mm. on the on the downward mm. aspect of the melody, mm. and then sort of doesn't do anything with it once it it sort of jumps up. Yeah, uh, you know, once again, sort of proving what you're talking about, mm. Dan. So. Yeah, anyway, so it's it actually happens all throughout the film and more times than actually I care to I lost count after mm. a while. So uh, it's <laughs> an interesting little idea that that we're taking these traditionally sort of happy melodies and we're reworking them not only with orchestration and making them feel, you know, oppressed and whatever else, but we're really sort of saying mm. actually this happy melody can feel really down as well by just changing a note. So mm. yeah, really nice one. Now I think it's time to actually get into some new melodies. Mm. Now I think for so many Star Wars fans, this won't <laughs> feel like a new melody. This will feel like the most Star Wars melody yeah. of all time. Mm. And it still to this day blows me away that it was only introduced in this film. It didn't come in in the first film. And yeah. that of course is the Imperial March Darth Vader's theme, I guess. Um, well, certainly Darth Vader's theme, but it's called the Imperial March. Mm. I get, yeah. Let's have a listen, Nick. <laughs> that stopped just before my favourite part, Nick. Doesn't it feel almost, I feel after all these years of living with it, it almost, it, it puts a smile on my face. It's almost a bit comical. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I sort of wonder how it would have felt back in 1980. You know, would people have heard this and gone, oh, this is really like scary and it really kind of like, 
oppressive. I mean, march. I, I remember as a kid because I, mm. I really loved the melody. Yeah. Um, I remember it felt really, I mean, not not scary, but it mm. felt powerful. Yeah. It felt like it was like exciting and, you yeah. know, I, I do remember thinking as a kid, not as a like a bit of a ham-fisted sort of thing. But, sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's just enough sophistication to it that gives it its um, almost like gothic power rather than just moustache-twirling villainy. And that is like... And I think that's partly because of the chords. Yeah, there's only one major chord in that entire sequence. Yeah. Minor. They've all been minor so far and then we get one major chord here. Maybe mm. uh, John Williams knew something that that Lucas didn't know. Yeah, he says they're still good in him, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> one 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 harmonic change was of that's good. Totally yeah. it. That, that's yeah. the um, I am Anakin. You know, yeah, 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 one yeah. moment of yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like that. That's the best theory I've heard. Maybe today. he's also <laughs> just prefiguring uh, Hans Zimmer, uh, or you know, decades later with his love of minor keys. Yeah, but it's the Batman chord. Well, <laughs> but. Actually, though, because, I mean, I think, you know, because, so, the I mean, I don't know what key it's in. And G minor? G minor, okay. If you were a lesser composer and you were working within a regular, like, minor key, you would have the the G rather than the F sharp uh, in the yep. second chord, right? Yeah. Right? And that's really, yeah, that's-, that's a simple... That to me doesn't work actually in no. the same way. Whereas the way that John Williams does it for comparison's sake. Yeah. And then it, that creates that sort of, it's, I mean, it's just a semitone apart. Yeah. The, the G moving to G flat, which gives it this sort of undulating, moving, you know. Yeah. And so that's the first part of why I think it really works. But the second part is if you listen to the orchestration, particularly in that you know concert version that we just heard, it's constantly moving between a kind of basic, almost unison playing and then this huge fleshed out harmony, which to me like almost gives the appearance of sort of like a singular idea and then sometimes with enormous power behind it. Yep. I, and I, I think, and yeah. that's exactly how it's presented through a lot of a lot of this film. Mm. I know. Look, we we all, we talked about earlier in our original A New Hope episodes how the the imperial theme or motive in that film, which just to remind everyone, was a uh, was kind of Vader's little, little motive. Mm. Here, it's like he's it's like a rogue kind of um, mafia boss versus like organized crime now you know yeah. now the empire literally is is bigger it's badder and we got a, a muscular organized march to yep. to really mm. signal it yeah absolutely and the, and the way that vader in this film i mean this is vader's best film by far oh, <laughs> i mean and this film like is all over it like yeah. i almost get sick of this melody by yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't but it is it is everywhere and it's really yeah, his film. Yeah, and and the way that you know, like almost like the 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 film's narrative drive is his narrative drive, which is that he's hell bent on tracking down Luke, 
after what he's realised at the end of the last film, which is, well, there's somebody strong with the forces destroyed the Death Star. Oh, crap, he's got my last name. Oh, I wonder. Um, And, you know, so I think the fact that throughout this film, I mean, when I visualise Empire as a film, I visualise Darth Vader moving so swiftly that his cape is sort of swung out behind him, just not because of wind machines, but because of just the swiftness of his movement. And, you know, he's He's certainly walking with purpose. Yeah, exactly. He's got a single goal in mind and he's going to kill anybody including his own you know able commanders who mm. get in his way um, and ultimately sort of his son you know he's he'll yeah have a go at him yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean it's vader's scariest film yep. and i mm. i mean the music has a lot to do with yep. it now i am ripping this uh this stat off uh from david w collins mm. um of the soundtrack show fame but also uh, more specifically when he, back when he did uh, star wars oxygen guess how many times vader's theme comes up he actually counted in it okay. within this film within this film a couple of times once or twice i'm yeah. gonna say <laughs> Oh, between 20 and 30? No, way too low. Wait, really? Yeah. In this film? In this film. Wow. I believe the, the answer that David came to was 41. Wow. wow. Yep. 41 separate times wow. it comes back in. I mean, it, it's, it's pasted <laughs> over everything. Now, of course, these, are, these aren't just bold-faced performances. Are no. These mm. are where they come in, you know, in little bits. Yep. And, of course, moving on to some other examples here, do yep. you guys know... When the first performance of the Imperial March theme happens, Dan, do you have any idea? The first time we hear it. I feel like I got, I got totally caught on this in the first Star Wars episode when you asked me about, <laughs> what, what was it then? It was, it was the Imperial motif. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to say it's when... It's oh, when and the, it was for the when, droids, wasn't yeah, it? It's yeah, when, it, the, the first playing of the, the Imperial March is when Leia's putting the Death Star plans in, <laughs> in C3, I mean in R2-D2. No, Sorry. no, no, it was in, yeah. the, um, in the cell block um, with, with, uh, the, with Chewbacca, wasn't it? That's right. the first time the... Oh, uh, right. Yeah, anyway. No, it actually, it happens... It's almost the first bit of music that happens after the opening crawl. And you get it in the piccolos and it sounds a little something like this. Now, of course, we uh, we let that play on quite a bit. It was right at the top. You it was buried under a sort of wall of brass and and other sort of excitement as they launched the probes. Um, mm. down yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, what's interesting is is that a new hope opens also with a little piccolo motif. Yep. Mm. Yes, yes. And yes. Um, you know, then we pan down. We see a, a ship 
And mm. it's ex- almost a similar thing, mm. except here the piccolo is over the, the Star Destroyer. Mm. Um, mm. It's yeah, interesting choice of instrument, but I wonder if it's just matching that sort of high outer space kind of vibe from, from the first Yeah, film. I think it totally is. Mm. I mean, the whole scene is sort of constructed in a, in a similar way. I mean, of yeah. course, which has now become the, the trope of the, the opening. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's interesting that the very first time you hear the Imperial March, the Empire theme that's to happen 40 plus times <laughs> in this film is to be heard on Piccolo mm. right up in the, in the heavens, you know, while it's sort of buried under all this brass mm. and, and other things. So it's, well, I yeah. mean, a fitting in a way then that in, at least in the original trilogy, the last time we hear it in, in Return of the Jedi is on Hup. So, ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you guys know that was not the original music that Williams wrote for that scene? Remember, no. you know, here we see the Death Star, sorry, the Star Destroyer. The probes get sort of sent out. We kind of pan down to a planet. You know, they kind of explode into the snow on Hoth and then that imperial drone or probe kind of, you know, mm. comes comes out and kind of you know, takes off. Um, <laughs> the music we heard then, which underscores the entire sequence, it's kind of, there's a lot of kind of rolling harps. It's very eerie, very kind of unsure. The original music Williams actually wrote for this sequence is fascinating because it's much, much more bombastic. We get another performance of the Imperial March after it. But try and picture this scene in your head because I'm sure we've, we've all seen it. And um, even when the droid sort of comes out of the snow, it's, it's much more kind of military and it's, real, it's much more badass. Um, and um, we'll, we'll have a discussion about why we think they may have changed it. Probe comes out. And then we get into the eerie stuff and it cuts to Luke walking along and he's torn torn. But it's pretty different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean look at my theory. It, because I don't think it's as successful as what they end up using. I don't I'm glad they didn't mm. do it that way. Mm. I think it it really blows everything in the first minute. Yeah. Like it opens with a we're the bad guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it's yeah. it's this droid's bad, junk, junk, yeah, yeah, junk, yeah. junk, junk <laughs> gonna come after you. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally just mm. it signposts everything too much. Yeah, actually. Yeah. It's and, great music, but no, mm. it, it's certainly really cool, but at the same time, there isn't enough action happening on the screen yeah. as to what the music is suggesting. And more yeah. importantly, they these probe droids, they're, they're indiscriminately just firing them out across. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. They don't know where the rebels are. It's not purposeful. That music is on purpose. We're firing, we're after the rebels, yeah. we've found them, we're working. And, and now, you know... It doesn't feel like these are spy droids anymore yeah. that are just trying to find things. It actually seems like these these droids are out to to kill somebody, yeah. to hunt someone down, on, and they know where they are. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas all the mystery in the first one, it's like, yeah. we don't really... 
totally know what we're doing, yeah. you know, but we're having a crack. Um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it provides a full stop to the emotional drama of the first like half an hour of the film, which yeah. is are they going to have to leave Hoth? Like yes. that music says, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've already been found. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And look, it brings up a really fascinating thing about this film in particular in that um, there is so, and so, I want to say there is so much music that was cut from mm. the film. I mean, Williams scored this thing wall to wall. There is, um, and, and basically the final product has just had so much taken out of it. You can almost feel 20 or 30 minutes of music that has been cut out of this film. Mm. Um, one of the more interesting ones is that the very first time we, we actually see Vader, they use the concert version of the Imperial March. So the thing we played, you know, five, 10 minutes ago. Um, but that's not what Williams wrote. He wrote a much more, uh, something that kind of builds and actually has this really, I guess we'll call the Imperial March riff that dum 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 which is always on strings and stuff. There's no strings; it's all done on sort of brass, and it sort of has a, a much more bombastic feel. So have a have a listen. God, it's heavy, isn't it? It's yeah. like Vader after a few pies. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it's just it doesn't quite have that nimbleness like you yeah. were talking, in, um, Dan. When you know it's an evil guy, but they've got movement. Yeah, this is yeah, such yeah. a plodding, isn't yeah. it? It's very know. vertical and heavy. Yeah, it's just yeah. heavy, heavy, yeah. It's too heavy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's interesting is the way that builds is very endemic in in the way Williams treats a lot of this film where whenever Vader is or the Imperial kind of forces are being talked about or I guess he wants to convey that they're kind of coming but not seen on screen, he mm. uses this... It's almost a rhythm mm. and it's, it's as good at foreshadowing you know, Vader as, as seeing him. Mm. And he'll often do it when it's focused on the rebels and they're organizing plans and stuff. Yet, you know, the music is telling us, well, whatever you guys are doing, you better do it quick because Vader's about to yeah. come. And then it just opens up into this full explosion of, of the theme. And here's another example. So we're on the Rebels now. And then we cut to space. It really is like a machine, you know, like he starts it up and it just kind of runs away with itself and then it kind of, you know, the strings even at the end there. You know, yeah, sort of and, like and revels through these minor chords and it's, it sort of softens, but it softens into like, 
you know, or dad's called me into the room and he's going to scold yeah. me now, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. what happens a lot in this film. Yeah, he's always well. like scolding <laughs> and how many officers yeah. does he dismember, not dismember, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah he kills. Well, he <laughs> kills it's, it, uh, about two or three, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah a few of them. At yeah. least two. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's almost like it's it's like a Vader proximity alarm, you know, like the, <laughs> he's about to turn up and we kind of hear... Oh, here he is. Yes. Actually, this this is a tangent, but one that I hope will, you know, infect the brains of everybody listening to this. There's a shot when Vader in Hoth, you know, they're in the rebel. He's he's with his snow troopers in the rebel base, and the rebel base is all falling apart. And there's this great shot of him sort of marching through, and he's about to come get them. And he walks through the remains of what was a doorway. And to me, I always just feel like when he walks through, it should be like beep, 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 you know, like a, like <laughs> like a, a metal, reversing truck. No, like a metal detector. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every time I see that, it looks so like much an like security. It's going yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I hope everybody else sees that. Now. <laughs> yeah. Well, this may be the sequence you're talking about because um, there's this uh, great bit where. Um, during that whole battle sequence on Hoth, um, Williams has these really kind of churning, furious strings, you know, bup, 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 mm. bup, 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 and he'll put in character themes over the top of all his string work just to kind of, you know, signpost how they're feeling or, you know, whether they're a bit distressed. So this is an example. We've got Leia's theme, which doesn't sound very hopeful, and, and then Vader's theme coming in sort of over it. But you've still got this really crazy bed of, of, of furious strings. I really like that that version of Leia's theme. Mm. Actually, it's really militaristic. Yeah. Like it goes, just swung it. <laughs> Such a jazz guy. It, it's something like um, do da 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 da. Like it's very da 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 da. Yeah, because she's quite determined. It's a gallop to it. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, she's the she's the general. in many ways in this. I mean, is she actually General Organa at this point, or is she? I actually think so. Yeah. I mean, certainly, like people talked about her becoming General Leia for the Force Awakens. But I'm sure that she was actually... She certainly you know, got rank in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not Empire, then by mm. Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all generals by Jedi. No, anyway. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's in charge. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway, I just thought it's... it's Yes, it's certainly not the, the romantic, delicate theme that we get earlier on when, when you know, she's with Han and, and mm. so on. Mm. Um, it's much more determined and almost like that gallop. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and the way Vader's theme is so slow. Blum, 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 yeah. blum. And it's, all the strings, yep, up, 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 you can really feel that the chase is going on. He's just like, yeah. it's inevitability. Like, he's always walking yeah. in this scene. They're mm. always running, and I always still feel that he's gaining on them. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, that's that's such a brilliant thing because they, they I mean, you know, that you use that in Terminator. You know, that to to yeah. increase his he never sense runs, of threat yeah. is that he never runs, mm. and that came, comes from the original Westworld. Actually, um, the performance in Terminator comes from right. Yul Brenner's Yul Brenner's work one yeah, in, yeah. in in the original Westworld, mm. where he's the robot who never runs mm. and you know but it were, i mean maybe it actually comes from from empire maybe, um, yeah. yeah it's really effective yeah 
Mm. Um, one of the most powerful versions we get is when Han Solo gets frozen in carbon. Carbon or carbonite? Carbonite. 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 Yeah. And, um, it's like carbon. It's like carbon. <laughs> uh, never, it's never little, get credit It's science. sort of ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carbon ish. Carbon adjacent. If I knew yeah. enough about the periodic table, I would have had a joke about you know the the one next to it on the table. We're anyway, not, it would have been very funny here for our science knowledge. <laughs> 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 Just ima- if you're a, if you're a chemist, yeah. Imagine how funny that would have been. Yeah. Anyway, um, over to you, Nick. Anyway, this to me really feels like the the highest statement of militaristic power that Vader achieves in this film. It's like he's captured. Solo, he's tested it out, and Luke's Luke's about to be caught. Because after this, we don't get that many more super powerful versions. But here, it's really, it's really going to the wall. It's a real declaration of yeah. finality, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, Cute. Yeah, absolutely. Those yeah. octaves, you know. Yeah. Um, but one of my favourite scenes, and always gets a bit of a, a sort of, used to really scare me as a kid, is when Luke uh, is walking through that weird set. Yeah. Um, and there's this really high string bit that Williams does. But then the Vader thing comes in, but Vader isn't swinging lightsabers. He's like using the force to hurl all mm. these kind of bits of pipe and metallic objects at, at Luke. It's a really interesting sort of way of of him, I guess, psychologically yeah. overpowering Luke. And he yeah. does overpower him in the end. The, the window breaks and he falls out the window. Um, but have a listen to the furious strings in the background. Uh, we talked previously episodes about aleatoric string writing where basically Williams or any composer will write a little figure and they just sort of like improvise in that one figure. And here it almost sounds like buzzing flies sort of like layering up and layering up. It's really quite... Yeah, it's, fr- it's quite allowing frightful. the individual players to to play that little little section um, in, in, in not in any way but sort of at any time and then you get this mm. sort of chaos, um, to- organised to- chaos. To- chaos is the right word mm. for it. I think that's my favorite cue, actually. Really? Yeah, for the from the whole film. Yeah. Favorite cue. Favorite cue. It's a really it's, great moment, isn't it? Yeah. Until we get to the actual better cues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that I mean the, the, as it's known on the special edition soundtrack, a clash, the Clash of Lightsabers. I mean yeah. that's the one that I just used to put on repeat, yeah, basically right. when and, I was. And a it kid. really feels like. That's really Vader has the upper hand there. Yeah. Like Luke's been doing a yep. good job of battling him. And yep. there it's like, actually, no, yeah, no kid. Like I've, I've got more powers yeah, than you. I've been, yeah. I've been, you know, we've been doing this long enough. Now it's time for you to, <laughs> yeah. to, to give up, basically. And I think yeah. even from the audience point of view is, you know, we know that, that 
there are some very basic things that can happen in terms of using the force. Yeah. You know, you can pull a lightsaber. You can, sure. You know, but that's this is, introduced in this film because nobody lifts anything yes, or in, right. in the previous so, film. Yeah. So this is this is one of those things where it's like, actually, force can do some other stuff. And you see him pull the lightsaber out of the ice when he's in mm. the, the Wampa Cave. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get, get an idea that there's this telekinesis sort of, mm. you know, power. But... You know, it doesn't occur to you that that means you can do all this other stuff, and yeah. I, it becomes quite shocking that. And he's so. It's well, Yoda, so Yoda lifts you know. the. Oh, of the course, X-wing. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. but but at the same time, like, yeah, this is this is. It's all slow that stuff. Whereas this is like, aggressive. no, these can be used yeah. as, as as projectiles. Absolutely. You know? um, and yeah, it's quite shocking. And that cue was like needle dropped into Revenge of the Sith, uh, I think. Oh, okay. Directly, yep. yeah. It's when uh, when. Uh, the parallel fight is going on between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda and Sidious. I think when Yoda walks into the room uh, to sort of say, hey, Emperor. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I remember you're, it. I'm going to stop enough's you. Enough's enough, yeah, man. That, yeah, that, that is like literally just dropped into the movie in the it's background. It's got those cool yeah. brass stabs. Yeah, but um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really kind of yeah. jolt you a layer. Um, do yeah. you think uh, – this was a theory that I proposed back in uh, – in the Force Awakens, mm. that when Kylo Ren was using the Force, and and specifically when he was freezing Ray, you know, he sort of yeah. freezes her into spot. Um, and I think also when he freezes the the um, the blaster bolt or the you know the mm. laser mm. laser beam, <laughs> mm. whatever you want to call it, there is this buzzing sound that same sort of uh, writing that that Williams uses. Oh, that, and yeah, it sounds like bees mm. or flies mm. or, or whatever it is. And, you know, here it is being used once again as the force is sort of being employed here. You know, you get this, this sort of chaotic mm. sort of going on. And, you know, so it didn't occur to me back in that episode <laughs> yeah. that, that Williams has Maybe. already decided mm. that the sound of the force potentially when it's being used for bad each mm. time is, is this sort of chaotic... You know, mm. sort of buzzing of, of flies, almost um, like it's almost like it's the energy rather mm. than the idea of the force. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it sort I of like works that. Quite nicely. Mm. Mm. Now, guys, what is the most famous line in this film? Uh, scruffy looking nerf. No, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Say pretty good I ones know. actually. Yeah. yeah. No, I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look. Rather than look, yeah, it's it's the bit where Vader tells him he doesn't actually say Luke, does he? That's no. like the being the big common mis- misconception. Yeah. He yeah, just says, says I am your no, father. No, he says, no, no, I am yeah, your yeah, father. Yeah. No, I am your father. Mm. I don't know why I sound like Sean Connery then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're sh- <laughs> I could do Arnie. No, I'm your father. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get to the chopper. Um, but look, let's. I think you know we can't go through this podcast and not play the music that Williams yeah. writes for for this um, most dramatic of moments. We should talk about the brass because it's so beautiful. But 
before we do that, I mean, the first thing that strikes me about that moment is that it begins with that isolated timpani. And that's the first thing that really underscores the moment. He's delivered the line and then the timpani is there. And then we get the performance of the Imperial March. And I think, you know, like in this film, timpani is just used so interestingly and like really coldly. Like it becomes like it's almost like that's the instrument of kind of doom, really. Yeah. It, it always feels like a, a shiver is the wrong word. Yeah. What is it? It's like you're, you know, when you get the tinkle up your spine yeah. and something bad yeah. has happened or you've, it's yeah. a revelation or yeah. it's like something. Yeah. fate, but in a really like fatal emphasis, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, sort of sense. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I also think that, you know, you have those, uh, the melody and then you have the chords come in mm. in the in the lower brass. I feel like I noticed the chords here more and the angular minor yeah. minor mm. chord nature of them. It's because there isn't chords for a little bit and then they come at, at at stabs at moments. And I feel that from a from a narrative point of view, it's almost like the information is hitting mm. Luke. It's hitting home. Yeah. And so you get these, you know, bum, dun, 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 bum, bum. and there's like yeah. a a little, you know, sort of Gut punch. Gut punch, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. what? You know, and it's yeah. just occurring to him what this means. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it feels like it's really sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, coming home. And it's, a, once again, a singular melody. It's it's yeah. it's Vader delivering truth, mm. you know, in a singular way. It's not the force of the Empire behind him. It's, it's him. Well, uh, that's the other thing, you know, of course, that we forget in hindsight is that, uh, you know, I think uh, the reaction of a good good percentage of viewers was Vader's lying, you know? Sure. He's just, you know, he's trying to, you know, psych him out, trying to intimidate him. Mm. I, you know, apparently James L. Jones, when he read the line, when he, you know, went into the voiceover booth, he was like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, he's just, he's just psyching him out, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think, you know, the, the music here has got to, sell this mm. you know as sort of like wow this is a huge thing but yeah. also we don't quite know what to make of this and luke doesn't like he feels you know you can tell with his reaction he feels like there's something to that mm. right he's buying it enough to be pretty upset no that's impossible that's not true but you know don't, don't you think that that works in the film's favor though because yeah. then there's so much intrigue or yeah no nah, i can't be his father like Oh, but what if it is? Yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. Know, and like all these questions that as an audience member, you want to know, just like just like Luke. And that sort of then becomes... Oh, know, absolutely. I, I think it definitely the, the, does the work. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I think especially because Return of the Jedi confirms it, that, that he's the father, not through some like no really moment. It, it's just like, okay, it's fact. I think as today's film viewers look back at those, we miss that there was, and because it's such a part of popular culture, we miss that there yeah. was actually some question. You know, yeah. people were like, oh, yeah, yeah. really? I don't know. And, and that's the question I was going to ask is, you guys are younger than me, so I suspect that this sort of rings true. I don't remember a time where I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. that Vader was no, his father. Yeah. Now, yeah. I never saw Empire in the cinemas. I mm. saw it probably on VHS um, in the mid-80s, mm. so after Jedi had come out. Uh, I don't – and I would have been too young probably to – it would have just been accepted. I would have just gone, mm. yep, cool, because um, I would have been too it's young. It's so to, known. Like, to, yeah. I yeah. mean, is did, did – did, was it a shock for you guys when you found out? Do you remember going, oh, whoa, what? You know? So, well, I have a very strange. I mean, I, when I saw Star Wars for the first time, I was too young to really understand a lot. 
but you know, I saw the first film, was totally entranced by it, decided to go and get the next one, but I was like, I don't want a middle film. I just want to go straight to the ending. I want to know how it ends. <laughs> Such a kid thing to do. Yeah, exactly. And so I saved up all my money, went to like the supermarket, bought myself a VHS copy of The Empire Strikes Back, thinking it was the third film. Oh, okay. <laughs> and sort of, so my first memory of watching this scene is sort of like, I don't think it's going to end here. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is quite this is open a terrible, ended. Yeah, this is a terrible ending. Yeah. Uh, so that was the shock. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's funny. I, yeah, that's a different shock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Look, uh, just the last little bit of the Imperial March I want to play is towards the very final sequence of the film where they're almost about to escape from Vader's grasp, but Vader does this, again, this sort of forced telepathic communication. It's, it's this moment and, and the moment in Jedi that actually allows for the Rey and Kylo moments in yeah. episode eight. Yeah, yep. that's true. It's actually sort of what's happening here. Um, Take that, haters. <laughs> <laughs> but look, have a listen to the presentation of the Imperial March here because it's really eerie and there's so much all the conflict and tension and confusion and questions that we've just been discussing they're here in the music and like it, we finally get a release of it towards the end but for the first sort of 90 seconds or you know 60 90 seconds of this track you really feel feel the tension and the conflict in Luke's consciousness to get even more tense. Especially listen to the strings in this passage here. It really is presented like the the enormity of what is happening to mm. Luke mm. is has really set his head. He's really reeling from it. I mean, those mm. strings, like you just pointed mm. out, Nick, is just everything's <laughs> like it's topsy turvy and mm. and and it's like he's drunk on confusion. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever sort of received news before that <laughs> made them sort of feel a little faint. I mean, mm. that, that's, it's music that is making him just feel yeah. faint and and sick to the stomach and and you know, like it's. It's yeah. really cool. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, that music coupled with Vader's delivery there where he's, you know, basically imploring him like, come on, you, you basically just just give up. Come come with me. We'll, you know. We'll work it out. Yeah, son. yeah, yeah. Like that's so sort of evil and conniving. I always imagine those strings because they're so creepy, especially in the context of the rest of the score, or at least that section doesn't have strings like that until we get to that point where they're slurring those changes. Mm. I mean, I and they're so high, I always imagine them to be like, imagine like 
a totally evil villain looking you in the, f- in the face and they smile, like those strings are like the smile lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the eyes like crinkling but up this with, is where with I, an evil... I, I wouldn't even say that this was pure evil. Mm. I think that's what makes this so effective is that, mm, okay. and, and maybe even the idea of Vader and talking to Luke, is that of course he's the bad guy. Of course mm. he is. Of course he's terrible. He doesn't pretend that he's anything else. But it's your dad mm. saying to you... Look, you can sort of have what you've always wanted, not power, mm. but you can come and be with your blood relative. You can be with your dad, finally have the relationship that you've never had, mm. finally understand your place in the universe. It's like actually a really compelling offer. Yeah. yeah. And it's not based in power and you're going to you mm. know, have all of this influence and so on. It's based purely in a I have power over you from the point of view of the force but also from the point of view of I'm your dad. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so sickening for him. It's not that yeah. his dad's an evil guy who's, who's saying, why don't you come and be evil with me? It's, mm. it's that his dad that you can tell he's always wanted to feel like he belongs somewhere. And don't forget, yeah. like the only voice he's heard in his head so far has been Kenobi's, sure. who really has mm. acted like the father, the, the figure. father figure. Yeah, so all yeah. of a sudden you've got this other father figure which he's been like battling the whole time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, hang on, maybe this guy should be And, and Kenobi is lying I'm confused. To him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he you says, know. Ben, why didn't you tell yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, you know, I think... You know, for all we might say about the prequels, I mean, the one thing that they made very clear is that the reason why Vader fell to the dark side is because he feared not being with the one that he loved. Mm. And so, you know, this kind of familial drama Mm. (laughs) um, is the heart, the emotional heart of Star Wars in many respects. And George Lucas has has said that a few times, you know, he's like, they're they're family films, like in in a literal sense. Um, And so, you know, I think... I think this scene, you know, is is one of the ways that the original trilogy makes. Because how would this be successful if it was just purely an evil guy offering mm. power and and come and join me? Like I, mm. there's so much more psychological stuff mm. going on here, which mm. is why I think the fight is purely psychological. Mm. Which is why I think always that the point of lightsaber battles are psychological battles. They're yeah. not lightsaber battles, which is why I think the prequels. Mess up lightsaber <laughs> battles, um, yeah, but true. yeah, I mean, this is just pure psychology the entire time, mm. and that that is why I think it's so successful. And the music is 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 playing Love the that. psyche, you know. Yeah. And also, it's another moment of floating because the music that's all around the moment that that we just heard from Nick is driven, and we'll talk about that I think probably in the second episode. But it's so rhythmic; it's da 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 da. You know, there's all these you know this 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 action going on musically, and then we get to this, and it's this real moment of floating, but not like the Death Star destruction floating music that we spoke about um, in the other episode. Um, it, it's about this kind of little pocket where everything drifts away and it's just these two characters that are having this kind of awful realisation. Well, one of them is anyway, yeah. I think to, to close out our, our bit on Vader is, you mentioned the prequels. Um, mm. Remember Vader's theme subtly pops up in episode one yeah. at the very end of Anakin's theme. So if people forget or ever missed it, it's this little bit here.
great theme. It really is yeah. just one of his best. And the fact that it's really only used in, in one of the prequels, it's... Uh, I mean, The Phantom Menace is a great soundtrack. It is a great... We, yeah. We've got to figure out whether we're going to do that at some point. <laughs> Look, you know, maybe that's a, that's a behind-the-scenes discussion. Guys, know. it's art of the score, not art of the terrible film. So we'll <laughs> yeah, be fine. True. Yeah, true. We, we, can, we can do crap films. The music is... is Superb, though, in yeah. a lot of the prequels. I mean, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Phantom Menace in particular, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think what's funny with that is that they, they're also using major chords with the end of the. Yeah, oh, but then it hints at the yeah. minor, yeah. Yeah, we kind of got this. So rather than a minor going to a minor. You're right, he does mm. major. Yeah. I mean, what if the whole Vader theme was like that? Oh, I'd really twist yeah. with my brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, but there's a version that's exactly like that in, um, or firstly in Rebels the Animated Series, but then in Solo. <laughs> in, yeah. In Solo, the, the, ah. the diegetic music that plays is like, okay. join the Empire today. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, it's like a happy version. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is hilarious yeah, in Solo. Yeah. I laughed. I was the only person in the cinema <laughs> to hear it because <laughs> it's in the background. It's on like yeah. a TV yeah. ad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, they play the Imperial March as a major, as like a recruitment video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, come, yeah. On, come and join the Honest Tummies and fight yeah. the yeah. evil. <laughs> yeah. you know. Anyway, yeah. oh man, it's great. Hmm. Um, shall we move on? We've been talking a lot about Vader's theme. Uh, let's move on to maybe the, the other end of the yeah. spectrum here with a new character in this film, someone very little and someone very green. This entire section, <laughs> that won't be annoying at all. Oh yeah, no listeners would tune out. That, that, that yeah, would of be course, fine. it is Yoda's theme, and he gets a beautiful little theme uh, that happens through here. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very plaintive and beautiful. It's very noble. Yes, it really sounds like it's simple, kind of indelicate, a bit like he is. Yes, but it really conveys that sense of wisdom. Yeah, you know. Well, and I mean, what do you think is helping to sort of make it feel old? Like it's not like a a little uh, delicate flower here. It's uh, someone with a little bit of history. Uh, what do you think's doing that, Nick? I mean, it it sounds like the theme for an old person because you know the chords are just sort of bloom, bloom, bloom. So tempo wise, it's very stately, mm. you know, as opposed to um, you know the Vader march, which which is sort of up tempo. Are you able um, to give us those chords? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really two chords. Why do I hear? Why do I want to hear Superman here? What is that? Is that me just not knowing Superman? <laughs> <laughs> that does Ooh. not work at all. Ooh. No, no, I don't necessarily I think it's just mean the fifths. The, I mean, so yeah. many Williams themes yeah. are based on on open fifths. Yeah. 
So really, we, we have a Yoda theme here with fifths. It's, yeah. it's more pure. It's more... Yeah, but at the same time for me, it's about the... I mean, if I was playing it in C, the F sharp. So like, what is it? The lowered, lowered fifth, yeah. right? Which almost gives it like... What is it? A Phrygian feel? Is that the one with the... Oh, with I forget the my modes. Um, yeah, well, which he also... would be like a Lydian. Yeah, Lydian, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Lydian, yeah. So like, like Rose's theme from The Last Jedi... Mm. And that, so that movement upwards of the harmony going from, I guess, the first degree of the scale to the second yeah. and using the second as the kind of key note that it then rests yeah, on. Yeah, and it. you basically hold the, the bass note. So the bass yeah. is moved, the chords move above it. Yeah. yeah. Are you suggesting Rose is actually a Jedi man? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... I think I guess more the point is that to me that's a classic Williams move of adding lightness to what, right. what is otherwise a rather kind of soft and slow and stately melody. It kind of gives it a lift. It does give it a lift, yeah. And kind of propels it a little bit. Yeah. I think sometimes Rose's theme actually doesn't do the sharp five. It's yeah, that's right. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. That yeah. sounds wrong. No, no, we'll no. no, no. I think that, maybe, uh, look, it, maybe he changes it. I, yeah, I think there was some um, debate about whether whether Williams had in fact used oh, the yeah. correct mode. Yeah, Williams, you didn't use the right. I know. Mode on your I know. What a ridiculous God. thing. But it, look, <laughs> yeah. yes. So I think there might actually be that variation yeah. or, so, or something. Anyway, but point is, Yoda's theme. <laughs> <laughs> I think the harmony is. It does a lot of the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Mm. And there's also like a little bridge, which is quite uh, different from that sort of wise, noble, stately presentation of the first bit. And this is much more the cutesy wootsy character. You know, Yoda's often a bit silly. I always think of like he's he's old and a bit senile. And <laughs> yeah, often yeah, has yeah, these totally. moments where he's just silly, mm. especially when we first meet him. But this bridge really conveys that sort of sense of playfulness. I mean, this is the the master the masterness of Frank Oz. Yeah, that he walks that line that all the Muppets walk, mm. and of course, him being such a massive part of the Muppets, uh, where characters are sort of real and goofy all at the same time. Mm. Um, they can be serious, they can make you cry, but then they're sort of doing silly things mm. too. They're just very human, and I think Yoda. And actually, I, I rewatched the film, you know, like I needed to, but. Just watched it sort of on a on a close monitor this time than the the big old TV, mm. and the puppet in this like Yoda in this film is gorgeous. Yeah, like it so much expression, and they they struggle to recreate that vibe in so many of the the prequels and future yeah. films. Like and so when on. it's and digital. Well, digital short is a different whole different story yeah. and in, mm. in, in many ways they don't get it right in the digital. But this mm. puppet, this opening, the first puppet here is just so good. So, so and good. And there's so yeah. many close-ups yeah. and, um, you know, his face is filling the entire screen mm. and they're getting away with it Yeah, in the most glorious way. It's yeah. such a gorgeous character. There, there are so many stories of sort of Mark Hamill, you know, because he was like in... 
And I, maybe I should say the Dagobah set, I believe, was George Lucas's pool. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite quite literally in, in being constructed. Yep. And oh. so they decided to fill it and make it the swamp. Anyway, um, so, but Mark Hamill's there for months filming this, you know, Dagobah sequence. And it's him and a puppet mm. and no other humans involved, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so like he, you know, apparently this entire filming of this, that, you know, they would be like, oh, great take, Frank. Like maybe if you do blah, 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 blah. And Mark would be like, hey guys, like I'm still here. How did I, <laughs> how did I do? You know, the puppet was fine, great, Mark. but like. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> funny. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now the first time we get an appearance of this theme is kind of when we when we first meet Yoda. Not the very beginning of the scene, but um, it's just a very simple simple performance of it. We get a little hint of it with some pizzicato, and then we just get a little statement of that first sort of phrase. Yeah, and don't forget, this is a scene where Luke's landed on this place that Obi-Wan Kenobi has told him to go to. He almost feels like he's landed on the wrong place. Met this green little goblin dude. In a, and, and you know when Yoda's sort of rifling all these, mm. through all these things, mm. it's pretty clear that Luke doesn't think this is Yoda. I, this um, this is the one that did shock me as a kid. Like yeah, I, yeah. I was surprised to find that this guy was powerful as a kid. You know, anyway, you sorry, did yeah. judge him by his size. Yeah, I did yeah. judge him by his size, exactly. Yeah, and to me, that little phrase we get, da dee da da, is a shot of like Yoda walking off in the distance and leading Luke to the you know, to his little man cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's that to me is the first little hint from Williams saying, well, maybe, maybe this guy is someone else. <laughs> but what's really interesting, and I, I want to play it now, is that the whole sequence leading up. Um, to, to Yoda, you know, this performance here originally had music all the way through it and it states Yoda's theme a whole heap of times, both the, the primary theme and the bridge. And what I've done is actually taken the original bit of dialogue and I've inserted the original music that Williams plays. And this is a scene where, you know, Yoda's rifling through his things and stealing his food and playing with his torch and stuff. Mm. And to me with the music, it almost... Like we spoke at the beginning, it's it says too much. It, yeah. it almost signposts um, one the comedy, the silliness of Yoda, mm. and it plays his theme. I think too much. Mm. Help you again? Yes. I don't think so. I'm looking for a great warrior. Oh! <laughs> great warrior. Oh! <laughs> War is not to make one great. <laughs> Put that down, are we? Hey! It's my dinner! How you get so big to do food of this kind? Listen, friend, we didn't need to land in that puddle, and if we could get our ship out, we would, but we can't, so why don't you just. get your ship out! Hey, get out of there! No! Hey, you could have broken this. Don't do that. Yeah, too much. It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. And I, I think especially that second phrase that... Uh, 
little passage. Uh, it's just it's too comical, mm. and it 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 just makes it a bit kind of too warm and fuzzy and mm. muppety. Even though you were opinion. playing the, the the scene over the top, mm. um, I just felt like it. It felt like montage music. Yeah. Did you sort of get that thing where it was yeah. sort of telling its own story while yeah. something else was happening. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So I, I think that. it was a good decision by probably the filmmakers. You know, they would have yeah. had that exact discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, to just you know cut it all out and just just had the last little little passage we heard earlier. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I, I think it is really important at that point because you're not supposed to know who he is, mm. and by having no music, it doesn't telegraph anything yeah. mm. you know, during that, that whole. And sequence. do you do you guys know what theme plays when it's when Luke realizes Yoda is Yoda? Oh, very good question. Mm. So, what moment? I'll give you a clue. It's not Yoda's theme. <laughs> oh, well, I was kind of leading that, obviously. Um, I mean, is it the Force theme? It, it is the Force theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that, yeah. that's an interesting. Choice. Yeah, yeah, um, it would be. Yes, it is actually. You know, in it? that in that pure moment of realization, it's the force. Is it because it, the force is just more noble? It's more serious. Is that because it's supposed to be a serious twist? Yeah, maybe it's illustrating his connection with the force. Mm. I mean, you got to also remember that in that scene where it's revealed, it's revealed because Obi Wan's there and the force. Yeah, is Yoda says, mm, "I cannot teach him." And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you Luke, Luke suddenly twigs. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But look, th- then we get a little bit of the the playfulness as Yoda turns around and starts. Of yeah, telling him, and the first real noble, warm performance where you really sense, okay, this isn't a silly little goblin gremlin dude. He's a wise old Jedi master. question mark at the end on that chord. A little bit there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It doesn't really resolve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Yoda in this film is quite interesting as well. Um, I mean, musically, but also because um, uh, Chris Taylor in this book, um, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, great book, highly recommend it, makes the argument that what we read as world building today of like Empire Strikes Back kind of expanding the universe was in some ways also George Lucas being a businessman and ensuring himself against future developments. So Alec Guinness was in the early stages of Empire refusing to come back and play Obi-Wan's ghost, wasn't interested. Mm. And so... You know, Yoda comes along as kind of a replacement Obi-Wan to some degree. Yes, yeah, yeah. And same, um, Harrison Ford hadn't signed on to Return of the Jedi while they were making Empire. So, ends with a cliffhanger, could kill him, also introduces a hand surrogate in Lando yeah. as kind of, you know, like, could, if if we needed to <sighs> exist mm, in a world without Harrison Ford, we could. And so, you know, the sort of interaction between those two characters is kind of doubles to some degree in terms of the way the plot yeah. works out between Han and Lando and also Yoda and Obi-Wan is interesting. Don't you think it's funny? I've no, I, once again, watching this the other night with, it, with it just a different critical eye, mm. that how ready um, Luke is to accept 
the Force Ghosts. Yeah. Like, because the only time it's happened to this point, yes, he gets the the, the voice in the head um, mm. for the Death Star. I feel like he he sort of listens to it, but is a bit confused about what's happening. Is that in my yeah. head? Is it real? Yeah. Then he gets the snow thing where he sees yeah. him in the distance, but he's sort of tripping, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, he's been injured. I mean, that's yeah. a very handy plot device as yeah, well, yeah. because as well, that has a real world reason in that. Poor Mark Hamill was in a horrific car accident before yes. Empire and yeah. has a huge um, scar. S- scar on yeah, his yeah, chin yeah. and so they explained it with the Wampa yeah, and that yeah, provides yeah, yeah. the impetus for the Force Ghost to be yeah. introduced. But, I mean, he just accepts it. Like, as soon mm. as it starts happening in front of him, he's like, whoa, 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 let me talk to him. You <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan's on the line. Hold on, give me the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Right. Um, one of my favourite moments is, and moments because it's a real musical moment, um, is when Yoda raises the sunken X-wing out of the out of the swamp into the air. Um, but what I want to play is Luke first makes an attempt and fails when he's sort of trying to to move it with the Force. And I thought it'd be interesting to hear how Williams starts off these two attempts, one by Luke, one by Yoda, in exactly the same way, and then how he treats one's failure and then one's one's success. So here, here's Luke's attempt at trying to raise the ship out of the swamp. finish with sad Luke's theme. Yeah, there's that minor <laughs> version of Luke's theme. Mm, yeah. So, you know, it's up and up and up and up and then down, 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 yeah. all minor. Mm. You can really tell it's despondent. Mm-hmm. Now, when Yoda does it, he obviously succeeds. Um, but yeah, hear, hear how the treatment changes and especially listen out for when we first hear Yoda's theme, it's in a minor key and then it kind of on a horn and then it transfers to a major key on the oboe before the big kind of swell takes off and it's that moment of like oh is he gonna do it or not and i think the shot actually goes to luke almost like luke imagining oh i'm not Mm. sure what's going on here and then we realize actually yoda's lifting this damn hunk of metal above above his head
that little fanfare at the end, that's mm. used to finish so many trailers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I, you know, it's a, that sort of classic uh, Williams manoeuvre, I think, mm. of, you know, delivering a theme, delivering a build-up, and then he he's the, the king of, like, playing out that build-up, I think. Yep. You know, the bum, but um. But um, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's really showing There's musically that yeah. yeah, like mm. Yoda is more than meets the eye. Yeah, yeah, he's not just this guy who's got lots of knowledge. Like he can mm. lift his ship out of the water above your head. Yeah, yeah. Ta da! Now, yeah. Nick, can you can you just start that cue again? I just think that this is. I mean, so the way this is shot, it's so specific. The instruments that that John Williams uses here, it goes to Luke, and Luke has already attempted and failed. He at this point he thinks it's impossible. You know, no one can move this. If I can't move it, then mm. no one can yeah. move it. And you get this. I I think it's almost like Luke saying, "Yoda's an idiot." Like, <laughs> yeah. and you get yeah. this bum 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 bum. Like yeah. it's yeah. like a whatever. And yeah, even the yeah, performance you know. is a bit kind of wobbly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so pr- press play on yeah. that again. Mm, lift the ship, I will. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And then he proves him wrong. No, I can do this. Single oboe, like, oh yeah. yeah. And then he answers again with whatever, old man. What is going on? Okay. And they both join <laughs> and together. And they both join yeah. together. And it now, you know, now Luke's a believer, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and, it, and it happens visually. He's sort of surprised, you mm. know, that he's doing it. And I, it's just such beautiful writing with that, you know, that sad horn and then the beautiful pure oboe over the top. It's not trying to prove anything. Mm. And mm. the fact that the horn then joins it and goes, no, I, whoa, okay, I'm on board. You know, I, mm. I, I can see what you can do here. Mm. Just really great. Yeah. Mm. Such a little moment. And it's such, really it's great. like the, the best use of leitmotiv. Yes. Like yeah. that, that's how it should be used. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. just perfect, yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Um, uh, really interesting performance of Yoda's theme on harmonics. And when I say harmonics, I'm talking about string harmonics. If people don't know what these are, it's where you kind of um, get a really high eerie sound by um, having one finger down hard and another finger pressed quite lightly. And it's a really unusual sound. Ghostly, yep. isn't it? Yeah. I should say, sorry, there he's he's telling Yoda about his dream of the mm. city in the clouds, rather. But yeah, it's really kind of creepy. Mm. Now, Dan. Yes. You're a theory man. Yes. Tell me why we get Yoda's theme in this <laughs> such an unusual presentation. We're up in the Cloud City in Bespin. Mm. Luke's pursuing um, all the all the stormtroopers and Boba Fett who have got got his friends. He's coming to save the day. It's a really heroic moment, but we get Yoda's theme. It's really weird. Check it out.
that's the moment there. I mean, I can this, the telling factor of how many times I've seen this film is that I can hear Leia's voice <laughs> shouting out, "Luke, no, it's a trap! No, it's a trap!" <laughs> like it's like that's melded into my listening of the score. Um, yeah. Ah, oh, is it thinking of Yoda? Not everything can be thinking of yeah. someone thing. Well, he's yeah. I mean he's clearly not thinking of Yoda. Yeah. Is yeah. he? So um yeah. Great he, question. I mean, has he I'm I'm theorizing now. And well, don't forget, he, off the cuff. He's left against Yoda's will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel that that Yoda is only part way through molding him into something else. Yeah. His importantly, you know, Luke's theme doesn't play through a lot of this, at, at, you know, for a long time, he's not Luke anymore. He's mm. becoming someone else. And mm. because he's partway through training with Yoda, is it that his DNA, his imprint, his... Um, is this his, like his part of the training? Yeah, well, his, his influence is, is over the top of all of this, you mm. know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I am well, talking, you know, I'm theorizing on the spot. No, here, no, no, no. I feel like there's something to that in that the last person to warn him not to go was Yoda. Yeah, and right. now and it's Leia fulfilling that. is is saying, "Hey, you idiot, don't yeah. do this." Same as Yoda was like, "This is a really bad idea." I like that better. Yeah. I like this is this is essentially Yoda is saying, "I told you so." Yeah, 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 exactly. And also, you know, exactly what you're saying, and that you know he's left too early, and mm. here it is coming true. Like yeah. he's not ready. Mm. It's an echo of his warning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a much better answer than I thought we were yeah. going to come up with. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the end of so episode 20. You're saying if it was a good idea, it'd be Luke's theme playing. Yeah. Bum, bum, ba, yeah. Da, da. yeah. yeah. Or if it was a bad idea, it would be the minor Luke's theme yeah. playing. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm satisfied. Mm. And that's very rare. Now, before, <laughs> before we finish with Yoda's theme, I thought we couldn't go past playing... Remember, this, this theme turns up very subtly in E.T. <laughs> um, yes. People won't forget there's a little bit where they're... Um, is it the Halloween sequence? And yes. Everyone's dressed up as ghosts and, mm. and whatnot. Well, E.T. is canonically part of the Star Wars universe because he turns up in... Or his species turns up in the... Uh, jet, the in the um, Senate. The Senate, Galactic Senate in yeah. Phantom oh, Menace. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you know he's just a force. I've wielding. got a I've got a little story here. This is this is a very much a right hand turn. <laughs> okay. Just because you brought it up here, yep. Dan. I I really hope I didn't say this in in when we talked about Star Wars, um, <laughs> the the first one. I mean, uh, so I was working with Disney mm. um, recently, and we were discussing how we were going to do promotions for for the orchestras, uh, Star Wars shows, and we were going to film all this stuff in real life, and then we we're going to drop in all of this, you know, this Star Wars stuff. And they said, "Oh no, no, we've got these rules." Um, that that Star Wars is in a galaxy far, far away. It doesn't exist in our in our galaxy. Therefore, you can't put things into our world and mm-hmm. have them interact with other humans in our world. It's very specific. Now, this is a super normal thing. It happens with lots of it happens with Doctor Who. Mm. Happens with all sorts of stuff where they're very specific about how you treat their characters. And I said to them in a board meeting <laughs> with other men in suits. Oh no! I said, "Well, actually." <laughs> E.T. <laughs> and they just look at me. E.T. E.T. is is on Earth. Does, and yep. I said, does everyone agree E.T. is on Earth? And they said, uh, I guess so. Looking at me like I'm a crazy man. And because keep in mind, these aren't these aren't film nerds. These yeah. are Disney yeah. executives in, yeah, in, in, in <laughs> yeah. licensing people. Yeah. And I said, well, so E.T. is on Earth, mm. and E.T. turns up in um, the Senate of Episode One, and therefore. 
E.T. exists in our world, therefore exists in that world, therefore Star Wars exists in our world. Anyway, can we film our thing? Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to get a laugh to hear people are going to know what I'm talking Mm. about. It's going to be high fives all around. Just, you could hear a pin drop. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you never worked in in music ever again. (laughs) Seriously, Dan. They're like, Andrew, here's the door. Yeah. <laughs> Play him off, <laughs> and that's where you had to turn to the riches of the podcasting world. And exactly. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was a funny little thing there. Um, they Amazing. didn't get me, Nick. They didn't get me. Wow, they didn't get yeah. you. Anyway, well, let's, well look, let's look, look, here's a little bit in musical easy. proof that yeah. you were right, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Funny how it sort of almost like riffs on those da 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 dum. It's yeah, like changing yeah. keys towards the end. Totally. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It's a real little Easter egg, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But you know, when it, yeah, unusual to use uh, music from one film franchise yeah. in another with the same composer. You and know, and even job. even mm. weirder, like this is so meta that within the film he's got toys of Star Wars. Mm. Elliot does. Yeah. And does so, he have a Yoda Star Wars, so Star Wars, <laughs> in this film, Star Wars has been a movie. Yeah, well, that's why the kids dress up as Yoda. Yeah, well, yeah, mm. yeah. And mm. and then it's playing the theme from it, but yeah. then the E.T. turns up in the Star Wars. And yeah. then, so therefore... Basically, they're saying Star Wars is not only uh, part of our galaxy, but is in fact a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> like it was like filmed, yeah. you know, on, on, uh, on location. Hmm. Uh, what about this? Don't forget that, remember um, E.T.'s little calling motif that... ...is the same two oh. chords as... Um, <laughs> so maybe that's you know William's small, mm. tiny, mm. three foot high creature music. Yeah. Or I love yeah. it. We've had many limbs. Yeah, we've had the Yeah, maybe you know that that harmony suggests they're from the same world. Who knows? Yeah. Such a great yeah. score as well. If we ever if we ever allow ourselves to go back to John Williams, we'll have to have insert you know many scores from other composers before we uh, do another John Williams score I think yes. but yeah, I know. ET such a great yeah, score cool. we'll, we'll get to it mm. so guys on that note I'm looking down at my recorder here and I've noticed that we've really filled it <laughs> mm. with these two mm-hmm. two main themes now there is one more mm. major theme that happens in this film mm-hmm. of course Han and Leia's theme mm. I don't think we've got time for it. <laughs> that doesn't mean we're going to cut it, Nick. That means no. we're going to chuck it into part two, I think. Awesome. And we're going to look at, not only we're going to look at, at Han and Leia's theme, we're going to look at a whole bunch of uh, the minor motifs and some of the big action set pieces. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, maybe we've got all of our nerding out out of the system, Dan, and we'll yeah. get through a bit more music in the second part. Well, you know what they say, the the possibility of successfully navigating the Empire Strikes Back in one episode is approximately 3,720 to one. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll leave it there at part one of our analysis of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. We hope you enjoyed yourself on this and you'll continue with us on our little nerd journey through this amazing 
Score of the century, mm. score of the twentieth century. Well, score of both, allegedly. Yeah. So. <laughs> Best score ever written. Yeah. I love, I love that Dan is just so he scoffs at the idea. No, no, I'm on board. I'm just glad it wasn't me that said yeah, it. Yeah, no, I know that would have been a problem <laughs> <laughs> for continuity's sake. If yeah. anything, of course, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, please hit subscribe, uh, hit like, do whatever you do to to get a comment out there, to rate and 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 write us some feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear you on the social medias, on Twitter, on. Instagram, on Facebook, all at Art of the Score, on email, uh, contact at artofthescore.com.au. And uh, we absolutely read every single comment, every single email, and uh, try to get back to you as best we can. But do know that we do check out everything. So, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Dan Golding. <laughs> thank you. And Nicholas Buck. Mm, thank you. <laughs> and this was Art of the Score. <laughs>